So welcome to episode four. I think we're going to have a little fun tonight because we're going to talk about the trade deadline and all the fun scenarios that fans love to kind of create until the March 3rd deadline when everyone's going to know where the chips kind of fall. Um, So to start this, I ran into um, an article by The Athletic that kind of broke down which teams are buyers and which teams are going to be sellers in the Metropolitan Division. And every team is listed as a buyer, except for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Philadelphia Flyers. Now, Ryan, do you think that because there's so many teams that are going to be buyers and the Metropolitan Division is such a tight division, do you think it's going to force the hand a little bit and teams are going to kind of go in big when they just they necessarily don't have to? I think if you get caught holding it a little too long, maybe. Uh, but if you can be a little shrewd and maybe make a move earlier than everybody else, you might end up the winner in this one, especially um, we all know Lou's going to Lou. So uh, he's going to definitely do something ridiculous uh, across the river and in, in another borough. But, uh, you know, I think most of those teams are going to be buyers, um, some a little more desperate than others. Uh, and I think, depending on how hot some GM seats are, that also matters too. And I think what I, the thing with the NHL is we all know the NHL is a copycat league and it's kind of like a sponge where you see what other teams do and how you can maybe apply it or tweak it to make it work for your franchise. And I think the biggest thing that I learned at the trade deadline last year was do not do what the Florida Panthers did. They had such good chemistry on that team. And I think they did too much at the trade deadline. They brought in big names that they necessarily didn't need. And I think it screwed up the chemistry, which is why fans saw kind of what happened in the postseason with them. It's like they had it and they met, they, they stirred the pot too much. They put too many ingredients into the pot when they were good before the deadline. Yeah. Excuse me. This is something you've talked about pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually went back and took a look at it and I think you're hundred percent correct. Um, There's really not, there's not a lot of history that getting that many pieces at the trade deadline equals success. It's usually the shrewd moves. Um, if you look back, um, there was that one year where Tampa brought two or three people in and they ended up doing very well. Uh, I, I don't know if they won the cup, whether it was that year or the next year. I can't remember off the top of my head. Either way, uh, it generally isn't something that gets done. Yeah, I think for the trade deadline, it's more of, you need the right move, not necessarily the most moves. And when I look at the this Devils team, the biggest hole that I see, because, you know, Lindy Ruff, they had practice today in Seattle, and Lindy mm-hmm. Ruff said that Nate Bastion is a possibility for tomorrow to get Bastion back. And when you have a healthy Bastion and a healthy Palat, the weakness that I see up front is the third line. I think that is where, if you're Tom Fitzgerald, you really want to address more than anything else. Yeah. And you can solve that a couple of different ways. You can solve that by bringing in a big time person to play on the wing of the top six. And that moves uh, everybody's favorite hate target, Eric Halla down to where he's quote supposed to be playing. Uh, The numbers are starting to back that up, by the way. Uh, Last time we spoke, I was still on the, you know, it's fine. It's it. It's working for Jack. It's working for everybody. But the numbers are starting to say he's starting to be more of an anchor than uh, than a buoy. So uh, that's still to be seen. Um, but yeah, you can solve that a few different ways. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter now are uh, running on the Adam Henrique bandwagon. The old bring Rico home, I believe, is what everybody's saying. Uh, I'm for it. So I think I accidentally started that because when I was watching. (laughs) Did you really? That's amazing. I I think I accidentally did. Um, (laughs) Because when I watch the Devils and Ducks. I'm trying really hard because I vote for the NHL awards. I voted last year. So I'm trying really hard to pay attention to every team in the league this year. Mm -hmm. And I've watched the ducks and that's a team that's severely struggling. And I have to think they're going to be aggressive sellers. And Adam Henrique, I think is a player that they could get a, a decent return for. He might, you might argue that he's not playing up to his contract, but that's just, that's the NHL. That's good. You're going to run into that with a plethora of players. So I tweeted something out that said, you know, I wonder how much longer Adam Henrique is going to be in a Ducks jersey. And then I got like 30 comments about bring Rico home. And I was like, that's not what I meant. Because to be honest, I mean, I love Adam. I think Adam is a player where there's certain players that just do really well in the postseason. And I yeah. think Adam, I think Adam falls into that category. And I think he would be great, but I think there's other teams that he might be better suited for than New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, it it would be cool, and I feel like you could get Anaheim to eat half the money, too, and that really could make it work for you for yeah. probably not that much. He could be one of those, like, sneaky, useful depth guys throughout mm-hmm. your lineup as guys get injured. He can poke in and play for two weeks in your second line. Uh, I think you could do a really, really, really good job of that. Um, you could maybe, maybe get them to take uh, Johnson off your hands. Maybe if you really do it right and take maybe some more of the money than you should. But I, 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 that could be something that you really could work. He's under contract for what, this year and one more year? Or is it two I believe more? it's two. All right. That starts to get a little tricky. Um, but again, if you if they eat half his money – that's not something you can't buy your way out of in two years if you need to buy that last year out, right? Like that that doesn't put you in Capel. Yeah, but I think the one thing that works for him is you kind of saw it how Fitzgerald and Ruff, they like the idea of having a bunch of versatile forwards. And you see it yes. on the roster right now. You have Hall who could play two positions. You have Mercer, Boquist, and Adam has that versatility. He's been playing on the wing, I believe, like the first line uh, wing. He hasn't even really been playing the center position in Anaheim. So he falls into the category of a versatile forward that I think would be appealing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet money on a, on an Adam Henry coming home. I wouldn't either, but wouldn't it be nice to see him sitting in a locker next to Dawson Mercer? It was just like that. That really would just not even from the boy, pretty aspect of it. Just like, that whole his I could see Rico rubbing off on that kid in a really good way one of those like better than on the ice kind of a situations a lot of these kids actually um, yeah you know he's he's been around the block and back and it could be good but realistically no I don't see them doing that it's just it's you can hope yeah well do we agree are we in agreement so I went through the the uh the top trade targets by uh yes. for the daily face-off do we agree that the Devils do not need a defenseman? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no reason to be going after a defenseman right now. Um, 
in in fact, if you if you project the way the cap's allegedly going to increase, not just this offseason, but in a couple off seasons, you don't really have to get all panicky about moving Severson because he's a UFA after this year. You know, there's ways you can still make that work and kick the can down the line a few years and still have him be a useful, movable piece as long as he keeps doing exactly what he's doing right now. He doesn't even have to play better. Just what he's doing now. If it's something that you need to feel you need to move on from, you can. So I, still, I wouldn't even panic on that at all. Yeah. And I think too, a lot, you know, I got a lot of comments about, you know, getting rid of Graves and getting rid of Severson and, you know, getting ready for Simone and, and Luke. And I keep going back to, I, uh, I just wrote an article actually about kind of the transition from the AHL to NHL for defensemen and how tricky it can be for a lot of them. There are, of course, those special players like Kale McCarr that can seamlessly make the transition and make an immediate impact. But for a lot of them, there is a transition. And I just, what I don't want to see, I just want to see the team be on the same page. And right now what you have is you have Graves and Severson who can get the job done. And when you add in two rookies, that's going to be, it has potential to be a liability for a third pairing or, you know, have half the pairings. I would assume they would not be, I would assume they wouldn't be paired together. They'd probably have a veteran on the other side, but it has potential because rookies make rookie mistakes. It's not just, it's not, you know, saying they're going to be bad. It's just the transitional period. And if Jack and Nico and all of them are ready to be competitive, you know, now, which is still kind of up for debate. You could say that they're still a few, a few years away. You could say that, you know, this team surpassed expectations and they could actually make a run in the postseason if, you know, once they get in. But I'm not completely on board with, you know, drop the two that are consistent and bring in two new ones and think it's going to be an easy transition for both. Yeah, that's one of those, the success of the team has kind of forced your hand here. You can't just be like, ah, forget it, play the kids. It doesn't, that's not, that you're not there anymore. And everybody is going to do the same thing they did in the NFL with young quarterbacks. A couple of them are going to make it. Like Kale McCarr is going to go right into the NHL. He's going to be really, really good, right? There's a few others, but then there's how many others that takes them three or four years. And then you're talking about them being a bust and all of a sudden they're just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it, and it takes time. And, and it, it's great if you don't have to play them in the NHL next year. That's fantastic. You know, you could make an argument that they're both because of their individual playing situations more uniquely suited to make the jump right away. I mean, let's face it, NCAA hockey has gotten a lot better. It's not it's still not, you know, AHL hockey, but it's it's gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, AHL is still, fun fact, the second best league in the world. It's no, it's statistically like I think they have a better player rating than the KHL the last couple of years now. So it's not like the, the AHL is some big jump. It's, it is the next best league. Uh, and there's, I, I would, in a perfect world, I'd love to see both those kids get time and wait till they're ready. You know, take a shot here and there when it's time for a call up, take a peek for a week or two, but don't make it like you there. You got to make the team out of camp. I just don't, I don't think that's a fair situation to put those kids in. And I think there's a difference between being a really great player in the American hockey league to a steady player in the NHL. I think yeah. those are two very two very different things. And even looking at Kevin Ball, last season, you know, all you saw on Twitter was fans saying, you know, play Kevin, play Kevin, like get Ball into the lineup. And here he is this season. He got into the lineup. 
And I see on social media, people are ready to get rid of him, calling him a bust. And no, he's, he's a rookie that's still trying to look for consistency in his game and he's making rookie mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's also, yeah, he's also an abnormally large frame where, you know, most of the techniques that a lot of these guys are taught aren't necessarily taught for a guy that's six, seven and that long. Uh, it's going to take him time. It's going to take him time to figure it out. Uh, what's interesting is you got a guy like Graves on the team who's not that tall, but darn close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd, you'd think that that would be a conversation that those two guys would be having. And even just maybe having Kevin spend time around the team because of that could be useful. Yes, because what I learned in my research for that article was that there's certain things that you kind of you need to be in the NHL to develop. You can't really further certain things like you can't get you can't train and learn the NHL pace of the game at the AHL level. Yeah. Um, yeah at all. And I will say that when I talked to Kevin, thankfully, I'm only five foot three. Thankfully, he was sitting down when I was talking to him because I was, all I was thinking was because he had his skates on on top of it. And I said, this oh, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a crick in my neck trying to talk to this man. So super grateful he was sitting down at the stall. <laughs> That's really funny. In fact, I'm I uh, I remember back when Zdeno Chara first came in the league, uh, and the side glass was much shorter, much mm-hmm. shorter. I think this is even the pre-net days, the net behind the uh, the goal. And Zdeno Chara was so tall on skates, the top of his helmet was over the glass, and that's all everybody was talking about. It's like, holy crap! Look how tall that guy is. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like I have to be in my heels because if I'm in flats, I feel like I'm standing in a hole because he's 6'6", Hamilton's 6'6", Braves is 6'5". They're all just, they're massive individuals. They should give you like a little platform to stand on. Maybe when I'm more important. Right now, I'm really not that important. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to help you out. (laughs) All right, so let's go back to that trade, uh, the trade target article I was looking at. Let's run some names. So one that seems to be of interest on Twitter when I tweeted out that we were going to be having this discussion, I got so many comments, which was awesome because I love fan interaction. Bo Horvat, he's 27, he's a center, but has the versatility. He's a pending UFA, 5.5 million, looking for most likely an increase. I think you can do better than him. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I just... I don't think he fits really what we what we need, and yeah, uh, no, uh, no. You're gonna say no? Okay. Yeah, this, this is a no for me, dude. I will say though that it would be interesting in the postseason, like if money didn't exist and we could just put together teams to I'm have sure. to have down the center, Heisher, Horvat, Halla, and McLeod. Uh, so you, you'd play Hughes on the wing. I mean, in reality, even when Hughes is with Paula, Hughes is basically playing as a wing. Paula takes the face-offs. Sure, but then Jack's kind of playing more in the center of the ice um, after that. Yeah, because Jack Jack doesn't really – so this season, Jack has taken 178 face-offs. He's only, oh. he's only won 57. Yeah, that's one of those things that um... – you, people used to talk about that with Nico too, where like if he wants to be a top flight center in the league, he's got to get better at faceoffs. And to his credit, he's done that slowly but surely every year. He has gotten a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but your your best faceoff guy on the team is still McLeod by like a decent margin, correct? Um, I believe 
actually, when I looked it up, I want to say Heisher, actually. So Heisher, Hall, and McLeod are all above 50%. Okay. They're all above 50. Um, That's pretty so solid. They're all like right there. And I actually just for fun looked up Horvat and Horvat's at 55.9. Okay. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I like him. I don't know if the, I don't want to say if the team needs him. I don't want to word it like that, but I, I think there could be a different option out there. Yeah. That's, that's my feeling too. Um, if a different option, if that's what you're left with, you know, you're not, you kind of have to do what you have to do, but. I think you can do better than that. Yeah. So moving, let's see, moving along. Perfect. Patrick Kane. Ooh. Right wing, 34, pending UFA, 10.5 million AAV. Yeah, that's tough to make the money work for this year. And that's intriguing. That's intriguing because if you could maybe get him to re-sign on, on like a two-year deal, for not crazy money, that's that's something that you could talk about because I think that kind of dynamic winger fits a need. He's good at playing the off wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lacking on the right side. Uh, I could see it. It's not wouldn't be my first choice, but I uh, I think I think that's more appealing and does less to affect you long term than the price you'd have to pay for Bo Horvat. I don't think you have to pay as much for Patrick Kane. Okay, interesting. And then yeah. we're gonna yeah. Let's go to the player that people are people are trying. They're trying real hard to like manifest this guy into New Jersey. Timo Meyer. <laughs> Left wing. Yeah, people 26. Yeah, just in, in a in a perfect world, this is this is the guy. And and it's not just because he's Swiss. That had certainly helps. Don't get me wrong. I, I think there's a lot to be said for those like little connections like that with the Hughes brothers. You know, Nico plays with his line mate that he plays with on the national team. Could be cool. He fits a lot of needs in a lot of ways. He's a larger body. He plays more of a power game. He's dirty around the the front of the net. Um, I could really see him playing the the net front of the power play as well, which is something that we've both discussed is a need for this team. Uh, I think that that fits in a lot of ways. I think there's ways to get creative uh, to make the money work long term, um, but you know just there's a lot of ways that this fits it's not just people make up things out of thin air with trades all the time this one works in so many ways the one thing that i like is that he leads the sharks right now with 101 hits the second most is 77 so there's a high advantage like you know gap between him and the next guy um the only thing is i'd be interested to know how the money works with that and yeah. the other thing that comes into play too is because you think Timo Meyer, you think we, you know, fans think the Devils finally have a legit winger for Jack. As we discussed, there's so many, the team's depth is really in question after this season. So if you lock up a Timo Meyer for an extended time, and let's be honest, he wouldn't be a rental. You would be looking to add him to this team. Yeah. How is that going? How is that going to positively or negatively impact the four lines? Yeah. Then you start getting into discussions of who you can and can't pay down the road. And those are always the discussions you have in a salary cap world right like that's mm-hmm. it you know you want to you want to be able to have guys move into those roles that are making essentially elc ish deals you know you're you you can't pay people 
three, four, five million dollars to play on the fourth line. It's that's a tough mm-hmm. thing you're gonna have to do. And you can go to guys and be like, look, this all works for you here. So what do you want to do? And you've seen teams get people to do that in the past and buy into what's happening. And you can hope maybe you can get some of the guys to do that. You know, I don't think Tatar is one of those guys, but I think you could pull Miles Wood aside and be like, hey, you're you could be a part of something big here. You know, what's up? Well, well, I think what's interesting is when you say that the first team that I think of that really tried to keep their core together, there were players that took team friendly deals and it didn't work. The Nashville Predators. When they reached the Stanley Cup final, that was a real, they, they had a strong core. And I think their GM tried really hard to keep that core together. And they just got worse and worse and worse ever since that Stanley Cup final appearance. So I think in that case, it did not work. They had to break up that core. Um, but the Devils are younger. It's mm-hmm. a different situation. But that is what it reminds me of. This is a player, I'm going to actually skip. This is the player that I think is the most intriguing because they're a pending UFA and right now they're at 3 million. Max Domi. Yeah, that's another one that could work. Uh, not the big fish out there that everybody's going to want. Uh, <laughs> so you'll have to deal with that backlash. But again, he's, he's a grittier player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, got, he's got that nasty look in his eye. Um, Timon Meyer has the same look. It, it's a, it's a look of with no problems. Um, but you know, he, he fits in a lot of ways. I could see him, like we talked about filling maybe more of a depth role than a top six role. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that aspect, it's also not going to cost you as much to get him. No, I think him, I think an addition of him on that third line would add more to it because yeah. I think, once Palat, Heischer, and Brat get going, I really like that line, and I like the chemistry that they have shown and what they can potentially do. I yeah. like the three of them together. Jack, you know, you can argue hasn't had the best line mates. He's a top 10 point getter in the league. <laughs> so it's not like you're sitting down trying to figure out ways and you're desperate to get Jack going. No. Jack is already there. You can get him to another level, but Jack is performing extremely well. And him and Mercer do complement each other. Yep, you read my mind. I was just thinking that's that's the guy you pop up from the depth and, and his hockey IQ is there. Mm-hmm. It's all there for that kid. Talk about someone who's just dying to take that next step. You can just see it in the way he plays. Yeah, and once yeah. Bastion comes back, I, I think that fourth line of McLeod, Wood, and Bastion would do very well in a postseason situation. They oh have, yeah. They provide everything you need. They have energy. They have the chemistry together. So again, going back, the third line is what's questionable to me at this point mm-hmm. in time. And I think Max Domi would slide in very well into that role. And you have to think, he was traded to Carolina for their postseason run, and he did very well in the postseason in Carolina. He had a yeah. game overtime game winning goal. He did really well. And I think he might even qualify too as a player that is kind of built for the postseason. If yeah, you want to tell me that. I mean, players like Claude Lemieux made their entire career on that. On guys, you go get when it's time when that one piece is there. That's the guy you get to make the run, uh, and he could turn into one of those players, especially the way he plays. He's got a nice little spark plug game, um, and gritty on the walls, makes the right plays, never gets caught. Uh, he's he's a good player. 
and and it gives you a little bit more respect when it comes to shenanigans. And he's also versatile as a center and winger. Yeah, yep, he can he can play at both positions, absolutely. So he qualifies. And I think I was reading before they were saying how he's one of the few players on the Blackhawks that actually like delivered like what you expected to get from him, he actually has done. Yeah. It's just the rest of the Blackhawks that are just kind of in shambles at the moment. Oh yeah. What a dumpster fire. I know. I I know. I even saw it. So for those who don't know, I always said for years, my two favorite players in the league that were not on the devils were Jonathan Taze and Eric Carlson. And Jonathan Taze is also on this list of trade targets. And I said, again, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I've always liked him as a player. He uh he, Travis Zajac kind of always struck me as a poor man's Jonathan Taze, and that's not a knock on Travis Zajac. Uh mm-hmm. it, but it it's it, it's a similar kind of game just with a lot more skill. Um and, and I, I always I always liked him too. I always thought he was a good player, but not sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the most important thing is you want to continue, if you're the general manager, you want to continue to build toward something that is going to have longevity. Because mm-hmm. if you look at, because again, you go into the postseason, anything can happen. Look at the Montreal Canadiens. They had no business being in the Stanley Cup final. No. And they went from the Stanley Cup final to then not performing well and getting the first overall pick. And now it's kind of, you're starting from scratch. And I understand when Fitzgerald says, I'm building towards something of value, something that is going to last a long time so you can remain competitive for a long time. And I think so far he's done that. Oh, and yeah. It would pay off more. And I think fans would enjoy seeing a team that's consistently competitive than seeing a Montreal Canadiens where we had or a 2012 repeat where yeah. they made it to the final, but then they couldn't follow up that performance. So I think that's something to keep in mind as well as the trade deadline approaches. For now, sure. Real, real quick before we move off of Jonathan Taze, you know who's going to trade for him? Lou. That's who's going to trade for Jonathan Taze. That's a Lou. That's got Lou written all over it. That would actually be I'm all over it. How many of these players are going to end up in the Metropolitan Division? Because I, it, yeah. it's, it's so competitive. You know, you might see a Patrick Kane. I was reading that. You know, the Rangers are now the front runner on Bo Horvat. And to be honest, after last year, where the Devils were apparently getting Alex Zabrinkit, Johnny Goudreau, and Kevin yeah, Stewart, yeah, I don't go by anything until it actually is said. Because I think some people just like to write things just to write things, just to <laughs> stir them Yeah. Up. That's one of the things I do miss about Lou uh, from that aspect was like, if you heard rumblings of it, you knew it wasn't absolutely happening. No chance. Mm-hmm. Like, Anything you heard about, you knew was not true because Lou didn't leak. No, he did not. (laughs) Nothing. So the Devils have five uh, pending UFAs. Mm -hmm. We have um, Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood, Eric Halla, Damon Severson, and Ryan Graves. Yeah. Who do you think would garner the most interest for like another team that would want that player for their postseason run, because one name sticks out to me more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's probably Severson. That's probably the one. I know that's the one that Devils fans are crowing about at the moment. Um, 
I, I again, I don't think we should jump to any conclusions of guarantees that he's not able to be kept here somehow. You know, I, I don't think we should be moving him. Uh, I could see them. I really could see them moving Tatar. I really could. If yeah. you're going to move one of those guys, I think Tatar is the most likely to get moved. So when I look at that list, there's one name that jumps out at me that if I just, if I'm a general manager that just needs a piece, like mm-hmm. a one piece or two pieces away, Miles Wood is a player where I think, again, ha- could show that he might be built for the postseason. He has the speed, he has the nastiness, the grittiness, and some might listen to this episode and argue, well, he hasn't scored a goal since early November, but he's also shown that with the right teammates and with the right chemistry, he can offensively contribute. It was a couple of years ago where he was, him and Zaka were the two top goal scorers on the team. So he has shown glimpses of that offensive ability. So I think Wood would be interesting for other teams. Yeah, I, I, I agree with most of what you're saying about him as a player. I disagree with you on the on the point that I think it might be one of those situations where he's worth more to the Devils than he is to any other team. Uh, it like it just strikes me as one of those guys that like he's always going to be worth more here because of the way the fans love him and it yeah. could be just the vibe. I don't know, but that's he's always kind of struck me as one of those players where if, if, when he goes if he goes somewhere else, uh, it's not going to be like Blake Coleman blossoming. Well, and I think there's a trend too that you saw with a lot of Devils that left that they really struggled. David Clarkson, Zach Parisi, Mark Fain. There were, you know, uh, Ryan Carter, you know, uh, Steve Bernier. There were, there's a handful of players that did really well with the Devils and then mm-hmm. left and yep. really struggled. And you're right, Miles Wood could definitely fall into that into that category. Yeah. Now, to end the show, you give me, out of all the bottom teams, what's one team that the Devils could really take advantage of at the trade deadline, do you think? Oh, man. I mean, that's tough. I, Vancouver seems like they're a hot mess right now, and mm-hmm. there's just – they don't know up from down. Uh, I, I know you're never going to get – Quinn away from him but wouldn't that be nice to have all the Hughes brothers out there on a power play wouldn't that be fun uh but you know in a perfect world that'd be great I I think I think there's I think I think it's the team of Meyer it's either team of Meyer or Max Domi so I'd have to say either Chicago or uh San Jose yeah I think I think that's where I think that's where we need to go I think the teams that are interesting to me that I think are going to be aggressively looking to do something to change the team culture, whatever you want to call it, the Anaheim Ducks, the San Jose Sharks, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Arizona Coyotes, because they're still looking to get their pieces to kind of get their team in the right direction. So they're looking for prospects and drafts and or picks and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they have what I want. That's the problem, is as far as New Jersey goes, like I think for Arizona, Alexander Holtz would be extremely appealing. But they, I don't think the Coyotes roster ha- – the biggest piece that they have is Chikrin, and the Devils don't need a, need, need a Chikrin. Yeah, it, I, they don't need him at all. I, it, I, if I – off the top of my head, I don't know if there's anybody I would do Holtz one for one for on their roster. 
No, but I think the Coyotes are going to be a team that they they would be interested in New Jersey because of the farm system, the prospects, sure. and everything that New Jersey has. I think a lot of teams would be interested in us right now, especially seeing some prospects come through and develop. You know, mm-hmm. you've got you have a track record now with this organization and drafting over the last five years. I would think our prospects hold more weight than others strictly because of that. And it's not even hubris. It's, it's That's how I would look at it if I was a general manager in the league. Do I want somebody sending me prospects who hasn't developed them? Or do I want an organization sending me prospects of a certain value that I expect and I've seen them develop deep picks? That's the team I want to trade with if I'm looking for a haul. I know. And you know what? We're going to have to keep bringing this topic up probably at least like for five or 10 minutes every episode from now into the trade deadline because, you know, more things are going to come out and yeah. stories are going to change. Uh, so we'll just say this is part one. Yeah, yeah per- perfect world. Discussion. Perfect world part one. Nobody's injured because injury changes a lot of how I feel about certain players. Injury changes everything. Because then it, yeah, again, I, it all comes down to what the team has as far as their depth goes. Who could step up when someone goes down? Yeah, so don't hold me to anything I said about Bo, Bo Horbat. If somebody <laughs> goes down, uh, that's, that may or may not be crucial down the middle. I, I could completely change my mind about that. As we stand today, what is it? January uh, 18th, 9.07 p.m. We don't need him, but we might someday. So please, everybody, relax. You can hold them to it. Just send me comments on Twitter. I'll love it. I'll love it. But that is all the time we have for episode four. And we will be back next week. Awesome. See you guys.